Welcome to Zero Downtime, the new podcast brought to you by DCD's editorial team in partnership with Vertiv, the world's leading critical infrastructure provider. Vertiv has kept the world's leading businesses connected for more than 50 years. We build, deliver, and support critical infrastructure that's available, sustainable, and future-ready. Visit us at vertiv.com and see what we can do for you. Welcome to the DCD Downtime Podcast. Um, this time, I'm talking to an old friend, Yuval Bakar, who has been for the last ooh, couple of years working on um, a data center project that ticks a whole lot of um, boxes in terms of um, innovation and new things going on. I'm talking there's hydrogen, there's 3D printing, there's all sorts of other things going on, and of course AI ready. Those are the, those those are the uh, are the table stakes for new data centers, aren't they? Really. Um, so Yuval, congratulations, because I mean. I think we spoke about this at the beginning of the year and it all sounded like, um, well, there was so much going on. I thought it's going to take you a while to get started. But now we're at the end of the year. You've not just got, you've got something up and running. And uh, and I should actually mention in passing, you've also um, won a, a DCD award from us for a sustainable project. So t- tell us how it's been what's, and what's going on. So th- thank you, Peter. Thank you for having me. Uh, so ECL, we we ran really, really fast. And uh, the reason that we ran really, really fast was that we believe that there is a tremendous need in the industry today to address multiple aspects of data centers. Uh, I think the most important one is there's tremendous demand coming in front of us. And that demand is going to be have to be required to be fulfilled in the next few years. And that's because of a very high level of AI requirements, as well as a very strong privacy laws, which are coming into play right now. All of these together create a demand, which is opportunistic from a data center perspective to insert a new kind of data center, to insert a data center, which uh, be in a place that we will be able to actually create the baseline of a sustainable data center for the future. And that's what ECL did. ECL developed a fully sustainable data center, which is running on hydrogen as a microgrid, not connected to the grid, and operates in a very high level of performance from efficiency perspective, as well as from a density perspective. Just to give a few examples, we can run our data center at 50 to 75 kW per rack. We operate on a PU of 1.1 or better, depending on the location. We are run. We are zero emission and zero water use on our site, so we don't use any water from the community or uh, energy from the community around us. On the contrary, we give back water to the community. Now that was our vision a year ago. I can tell you now that we actually materialized it. So we have the first block over here in Mountain View, California, which is doing the final stage of integration and commissioning. And it is going to be running on 24-7 hydrogen with very strong battery backup system that enables us to build the data center in the architecture, which is actually designed for the future. Now, what did, what did we do which is special? 
We did a, a, a redesign of our power system completely. We eliminated the diesel generators. We eliminated the UPS systems. We created a, created a four-source active active uh, solution for our power uh, generation and feed to the data center. We created a highly flexible power distribution and highly flexible cooling system inside the data center. And we built on top of that the energy source from hydrogen. We created the whole engagement with the hydrogen economy, which is right now evolving in different areas of the world at different paces, and inserted the hydrogen economy into the data center economy, creating a solution which is a sustainable data center, but at a competitive level to the grid connection. So we can create energy with hydrogen prices today at a competitive level to what you can get from the grid, if the grid is even available in the places you want to go. Now, on top of that, because we created a microgrid, we were able to actually say, okay, we're not connecting to the grid. As a result, we can turn around our data centers in eight months. So from the moment the customer comes and say, I want this size of data center in this location, it takes us eight months to deliver an active, fully sustainable data center to the customer. Compared to traditional uh, data centers in, in uh, our industry, which are between two and three years to actually deliver a new site. And that is very, very attractive in a high demand environment. Right. So, I mean, building a conventional data center, it'll take you a couple of years, but a large amount of that is just trying to get the power in place and the permits. That is, that is absolutely correct. And because we are off grid and do not have to actually create the relationship and the communication with the utilities, we can accelerate the process dramatically. Right. Okay. And, um, and, and other planning issues, I guess, can go through quickly on a, a project. Yeah, we, we, we tested our first site in Mountain View, California, which is a city which is very conservative. So we said, okay, how long is it going to take us to run first time with making all the mistakes and correcting all the mistakes on a city which is relatively conservative to actually get permits to build a hydrogen-based data center? And from start to end, we, it took us about seven and a half months now, we know exactly where we actually made mistakes and how we accelerate. And now we have a very, very extensive packet, which is our blueprint that we take to every new location. So the cycle for us to get the permits is actually shrunk dramatically compared to what it took us on the first run. And as a result, the, the permit process is actually falling into our sourcing cycle. So you don't do it in a series. Once we get a PO, we start the permits immediately and we start our sourcing process immediately. Sourcing process for us is about six months to get all the components that we need. Either we produce them or purchase them. And then we have about two months of integration on site and, and construction. Our construction is very, very limited for two main reasons. One is our blocks are very, very small. And like you mentioned before, we're not doing traditional construction. We're doing 3D printing of our site, which is the most sustainable way of actually doing a, a construction nowadays because it's a waste-free construction. There's no waste coming from the site. And the second thing is we are uh, building blocks one at a time. So it takes, it, it takes a very short cycle if you do them back to back to back to back to build a large site, a 15, 25 uh, megawatts, takes a very short cycle, and then the integration goes in cycles. So as a result, we can actually deliver a full site in eight months, uh, more or less, depends on where we are exactly, but it's it's more or less eight months plus or minus a month, I would say. 
So from that perspective, we are the place that we can deliver a, a, the next generation. Now, what is our secondary goal? Our secondary goal, of course, our first goal is to be successful as a data center company. A secondary goal is to send a message to the industry saying, we are at an inflection point from a demand for data centers. We should do the right thing and build a fully sustainable data centers now. Because if we actually take this inflection point and build non-sustainable data centers, traditional data centers, because we're in a rush, we will never get another opportunity like that to insert sustainable data centers into the market. And, and we want to actually make sure that everybody of our partners, customers, and suppliers are actually aware of the fact that we are creating over here something that will help the industry and will help ECL as well, but will help the industry to get a message that it is possible to build sustainable data centers in 2023. We don't need to wait for 2025, 2030, 2035, or 2050, like we hear from some of the the, uh, players in this uh, domain. So if people say we haven't got time to be sustainable, uh, then they should think again. Exactly, because not only did we accelerate the process for them to deploy Mm -hmm. data center, we also actually reduced the cost for them to operate. So our TCO is lower than our competitors. Mm -hmm. So, So tell us about what you've actually built. What? Um, what capacity have you got and is it a sort of a, a standard module similar to what you'll be building um, yeah. in future? It is a production module. It's a one megawatt production module. That one megawatt production module is giving us the ability to demonstrate how a production site will look like. Because we're doing it in a modular way, one meg at a time, for a production site that takes 10, 15 or, 15 or 20 of those units will look exactly the same just 20 of them next to each other. We do not scale up, we only scale out. And we optimize the way we actually design the data center to be able to do that in a cost-effective way. So usually you have to scale up to make it more cost-effective. Our solution is cost-effective to a level that we do not need to do that. That gives us a, a tremendous advantage by repeatability. Every site looks the same. If it's an edge site with three meg or it's a core site with 50 meg, it will look exactly the same. It will operate the same. It will run under our same management system that we wrote for the data center that will actually give you the full optimization of the site, no matter what the size is. And that's the block that we have over here in Mountain View is not a prototype. It's a production quality. It's a one meg site sitting on a thousand square feet inside and about 4,500 square feet outside. We, We spread out the outside to actually ensure that customers can come and walk around the site and see what's going on there because it's very interesting. Hydrogen, fuel cells, batteries, cooling systems, etc. And that block is just going to be repeated. So from our perspective, we created a production site over here that we'll do testing on initially. And we'll bring our customers to do testing on site to feel comfortable with our architecture and technology. And then we'll just transition it into high, high density and high capacity sites in other locations. Right. So not a prototype. I was coming here half expecting to hear something that said it's kind of a bit of a prototype, but it's not a prototype. It's a working site. And um, I think we need to get some um, some pictures of it. We need to get a day. Somebody from DCD needs to get there and have a proper look at it, which I think we shall Absolutely. arrange to do sometime in the next few months. <laughs> that would be great. We'll be happy to host you. And, and show you all the uh, the nice things that were created. It's like an accumulation of, of 
many years of, of experience in data centers, what went well and what did not go well, and we fixed all the things that did not go well. So from our perspective, we created a solution, which is a cumulative uh, solution from the mega data center operators, the LinkedIn's of the world, which is our more co-location based, and created a solution to be a co-location or a private data center for the customer in any location they want. Because we are grid agnostic, we can drop this in any place. Like Ashburn, Virginia does not have power until 2029. We can actually build in Ashburn, Virginia. So probably the only company we can build now in Ashburn, Virginia. Wow, that's okay. That's good. And other places where there isn't power, as long as you can get the hydrogen. So let, let's do some quick fire questions really on uh, on the um the industrial process that's happening here where um where where are you getting your hydrogen how does it arrive on site so hydrogen uh, so the hydrogen economy is actually first of all growing but it's actually an existing economy uh, the economy of hydrogen is existing in two levels one is delivery uh, uh, based on a pipeline and you have a significant amount of pipelines, both in, uh, in uh, areas in the United States. And I think there's a tremendous effort right now in Europe to build a new hydrogen pipeline that's crossing north to south and east to west. And, and that is the best way to actually get the hydrogen is you connect to the pipeline, you get it at a reasonable price. And not only that you get it at a reasonable price, you can actually, uh, at that point, create almost unlimited size data centers because when you do uh, uh, other methods of, of collecting it, it's a little bit more difficult because what happens is that there's a limit of how many how many uh, times you want to bring a refueling tank, right? And that's the other option. The other option is actually doing refueling on site. Uh, our site over here needs to be refueled every seven to eight days. So we bring a tanker every seven to eight days and it refill, refills our uh, uh, on-site storage. So that's the second model. If you don't do a pipeline connection, you actually have a refueling. Uh, refueling, if you're limited the number of refueling that you're trying to do to a certain number, let's say you don't want to go on more than two refuels per day, then your size of a data center on a refueling basis is, a, is a, around 15 to 16 meg. You don't want to go bigger than that. Uh, then it's starting to be a challenge from the refueling process. Now, another challenge that with refueling is that you come on a truck. So unless it's a hydrogen-based truck, it's actually uh, hurting our sustainability uh, domain. And, and we are working very closely both with the companies who are doing hydrogen-based truck delivery, as well as actually trying to focus our energy into places that we can get the hydrogen in a closer way. Uh, we are uh, can sh- we are showing and we will show uh, publicly in the next few weeks that getting hydrogen from any source and any color today run data centers is superior to any grid in the world <laughs> from a sustainability perspective so no matter where you are even if you take a gray hydrogen and deliver it by truck you're still going to cut the emission of the data center by 60 to 70% which is a very important item to know, right? It's hydrogen Hydrogen for data centers will enable fully sustainable solution, not only on green hydrogen. It will enable sustainability improvement in a dramatic way from a power consumption and a, and a carbon footprint. Even if you use non-green or a blend of green, blue, gray together, whatever is available for you at the location that you are. And we're proving that. And like I said, I'm going to put a, a full description of that in the next few weeks 
in a white paper that we're going to publish that describes what is the carbon footprint of data centers. How does it work, right? Because people don't actually usually don't look at what is the carbon footprint that you get from the grid. The grid is actually pretty dirty in most places. So if you're connected to the grid, no matter how efficient you are on data center, you are creating tremendous amount of emission. And when you when you use hydrogen, your emission is zero basically, unless you use hydrogen which was produced in a non-clean way. But even if you use hydrogen which was not produced in a clean way, like a gray or blue, you still have a, a tremendous reduction in your carbon footprint. In most cases, it can be as high as 80% reduction in your carbon footprint compared to the grid. Even in California, which is probably one of the greenest grids in the world, you can cut your uh, carbon emission uh, from the data center by 60% if you deliver any kind of hydrogen. doesn't matter which hydrogen. I'm, so, I'm looking forward to seeing the argument. That sounds great. What, yeah. what, color, what color hydrogen are you getting at the moment? So we're currently getting a blend of green, blue, and gray. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are striving to get green only. And based on all the projections and all the build-outs which are happening, by late 25, early 26, we'll be able to supply uh, green hydrogen to every location that we need in the United States and hopefully in Europe as well. Until that time, we'll do a blend of uh, targeting blue as blue is basically hydrogen that had carbon capture on it when it was produced. So it actually had a relatively uh, low carbon footprint. And if the worst case scenarios will blend blue with gray with green. So you can blend those uh, hydrogens together. They're basically the colors. The hydrogen itself does not know that it actually has a color. So, <laughs> yeah. so you can blend them in anything that you want yeah. and, and create an environment that, that the, uh, you optimize the system, the data center to use hydrogen, and then you source the hydrogen from the the more uh, cost-effective and sustainability-effective uh, source, which are very common now in across the United States. A lot of things helped us with the green hydrogen sourcing in the United States because of the IRA. The IRA that was signed last summer gives mm-hmm. a lot of incentive to create green hydrogen and to consume green hydrogen, and that gives the, the whole hydrogen economy a tremendous boost. Yeah, there are hydrogen hubs that have been created, and you're yes. saying if you've got a, if you've got a data center that runs on hydrogen, um, the sustainability of that data center will only improve as the sources of hydrogen improve. You've, you've exactly built for the future. And yeah. so, so even day one, if we use only grey and it's only delivered not on a pipeline, we're cutting our footprint by sixty to seventy percent from a carbon perspective. Once we are getting green hydrogen, of course, we are actually going to zero carbon. Right. And the cost of the uh, hydrogen you're getting, I mean, the start of the year, you were saying um, $4 a, a kilo or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, $4 a kilo is what you were aiming at. Yeah. It depends how you source the hydrogen. If you source it from a pipeline over the fence, it's one level of pricing. If you source it on a truck delivered to you, it's a different. If you source green, it's different than if you source blue or you source gray. So there's a whole variety of, of uh, the cost of it. The one thing that we can say is to, in today's prices in the US and in Europe, we can beat about 60 to 70% of the grid prices. And within the next two years, we'll be able to beat almost 100% of the grid prices. Now, this is assuming that the grid is available. 
in a lot of places, the green is not available. So you actually compare yourself to infinite price, right? But we are very competitive from an electrical perspective. We 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 can compete very well in the places where there's two cents or three cents or four cents per kilowatt hours. Over there, it's very difficult to compete with hydrogen today. But in any place which is, I would say, eight cents all the way to 50, which is the areas we operate, we will actually be able to create a reduction in TCO to the customer overall. Because of all the features that we bring together, overall, the, the customer will get the lower TCO. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so the hydrogen goes to the fuel cell. The fuel cell creates the electricity, which is then uh, distributed to the data center. And, yeah. um, and and you've got a megawatt of it. Are you actually running a megawatt of a data center at the moment? Or is that just the, yeah. the potential capacity you'll fill? So we ran it in testing. Then now we're doing the full integration commissioning of the hydrogen. So right now the site is not running because we're doing the commissioning testing. But it will renew the... the one meg load in the data center uh, within the next few weeks. Okay, and what kind of loads will you be will you be running? I mean, are you going to sort of um, yeah. put the capacity out to a sort of commercial cloud provider that will sell machines right on it, now, or is, is that not part of this uh, of your of your goal for this particular data center? Our thought in mind of view has two main goals. One is to demonstrate the technology. The other one is to let our customers, potential customers, to come and test their workloads and see that they're feeling comfortable with the workloads that they have. From our perspective, we got to the point that we say, okay, we can test the workloads and you can bring whatever workload. And if you are important customers, you get one, two, three, four, ten, ten 10 racks to actually run. But we're going to also have our own uh, system. We are currently working to put some AI machines in here and build either a super pod or a, a, a hypercomputer or supercomputer footprint over here that will demonstrate the capabilities of the density per racks because most customers will not be able to bring that level of density of 50 to 75K day one. We want to demonstrate that we can do that. So we do a separate rack set of racks, which are racks, ECL racks, that will run the high density with very sophisticated AI machines, very dense solutions, 50 to 75K, and will demonstrate the capability moving forward. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you've got your own racks there ready to show high power. You've got potential to put customer racks in or um, sort of for, for customers to come and prototype their own solu- solutions and yeah. see how they'd work. Um, and now within, within six months, more or less, we, we will actually transition the site to production. So we can have paying customers. But for now, mm-hmm. we just want it as a demonstration platform. Right. And in terms of the sort of the, the dull bits of data centers, the boring uh, things, uh, a slab floor, raised floor, cold art. It's a slab floor. Slab floor. It's yeah. a slab floor with water-based cooling system. And so we have a water distribution system. We're using rear-door heat exchangers in our racks to actually cool the racks one by one. That's how we achieve that level of density. No hot aisle, cold aisle isolation. Uh, the power conditioning system is part of the data center. It's not sitting in a separate mechanical or electrical room. So it's actually right there. It's uh, per block. You get its own power conditioning system. Uh, power distribution system using busways to give us the flexibility to change the power per rack and do a mix and match of different powers into different racks. Uh, that's the highlights of what's inside. Outside, no diesel generators, no UPS system. A power generation system based on hydrogen, one megawatt output, actually more than one megawatt output because we use it also for the uh, 
auxiliary power, a Megapack Tesla battery that actually can hold the site up to eight hours, and a, a cooling system which operates on a PU of 1.1. Uh, so that's what's sitting outside. That's the the crude data center description in in thirty seconds. Yeah. Well, that sounds exciting. And um, what happens to the heat? Because I mean, if you, if you're running a microgrid and generating power on site, yeah. Um, yeah. The, the data center sector as, as a whole has been sort of talking round in circles for quite a long while about reusing waste heat. But once you get a microgrid and you're generating heat on site, that changes yeah. the game because generating electricity generates a lot more heat than you get normally, and suddenly it might become better. Are you looking at re- reusing heat in the future? Yeah, so so we have two items that we're doing re- reuse on. First is when you generate energy with hydrogen, the byproduct is water. And we're producing tremendous amount of low heat water, like 60 degrees C water that we can distribute. We do not need it. So we can distribute on one side low heat uh, water uh, for depending on the location where we are. So if we are close to the urban area, it makes sense to actually distribute it. If we're far away from the urban area, it does not make any sense to distribute it. Internally to us, we definitely distribute it into the building itself for heating, etc. Now, we take the water that we generate from the uh, byproduct of the generation of energy and we cycle it back into the data center. So the data center does not use water. The reason it doesn't use water is that we actually have a factory which produces water. So we do not need to get from the outside. The internal cooling loop is actually a closed loop with very low loss. The external loops, we have four external loops around our data centers. Some of them use some of the water that we actually produce, but we definitely have an overproduction of water that we will give in a cold state or hot state into our neighboring site. Over here, we're planning to actually give the, the excess water that we're going to have for irrigation around us. So there's a lot of uh, uh, neighbors over here that requires high level of irrigation. We're just going to give them the water. That sounds good. I mean... It sounds like a, you, you, maybe they don't realize just how good and pure your water is. They could do a lot better things than irrigate with it. But yeah, so <laughs> we can start, so isn't it? Actually, the funny thing is to irrigate them, we have to dirty the water because it's too clean. <laughs> and you can also give the, the water, which is DI water, right? So it's the distilled water. Give it out to actually other customers like hospitals or research labs or any other place that require the distilled water. Uh, so for us, uh, in Mountain View over here, it's how we're going to be attaching ourselves to the community. If the community requires from us or asks us to give them the water, we'll give them the water. If it doesn't have a user, we don't want to dump the water, so we're just going to use it for irrigation. Mm-hmm. That sounds that sounds about about right. I mean, is it quite? It's it must be at this point a question of how much time you've got to put into any of these jobs, finding someone to to take your water. I mean. In theory, yeah. it could be part of the business model. You could end up getting getting money for it, but um... it can. So DI water sells in the US for four dollars per kilogram, uh, per, per liter. Sorry, dollars so, per gallon. Sorry, four dollars per gallon. So we produce hundreds of gallons per hour. So. It can be definitely a business model, but we're trying to focus all of our energy on the data center side and making sure that uh, we have a solution for data centers. The water business, it can be incremental business for us, but uh, it's le- it's less uh, less center focused for us. It's a side thing that maybe when I see a we'll play one of the 
of the wholesalers of uh, the eye water. Yeah, I mean, and in any case, um, if you're giving a good resource away to uh, the people around you, the value, the social capital you get from that might be worth more than the money you could get for it. Exactly. And exactly. So our, our contribution is, is we see ourselves as a community integrated data center. And that's why we build only one story buildings. That's why we're actually uh, trying to be as quiet as possible, not taking power from the community, not taking water of the community, giving back as much as we can. That's part of our philosophy over here at TCL, and that's how we're actually going to drive it forward for our production sites as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, the other thing is the building. That you know, When we were talking at the start of the year, uh, the 3D printing sounded very exciting. You're using different materials to what data centers normally do. And yes. data centers have had a lot of criticism for the amount of um, concrete they use in their you know, traditional tilt building. And uh, there's a massive amount of uh, emissions created by that, that concrete. How does, how does 3D printing stack up against that? Yeah, so 3D printing enables you to actually use any kind of concrete which is in an industry. And recent months, actually, we saw a lot of uh, discussions about fully sustainable, recyclable uh, concrete that we can use. All, all we need is the concrete mix itself. We have a special mix that we're creating uh, to be as sustainable as possible, but as as uh, protective as possible for the site itself. In reality, our sites are actually really, really protective. But another interesting thing about, about construction and, and uh, sites is we are being exposed right now to a very large uh, amount of real estate, which is just sitting empty in a lot of places. And real estate, which actually already been taking its uh, carbon uh, effect when it was built, it's not adequate for data centers, traditional data centers. So it just sits empty. It used to be all the office spaces, etc. And another model that we're offering to our customers is conversion. We can take an existing structure, then there's no, stru there's no construction at all, and convert it into the high-end data center that we have. What we did over here in Mountain View is exactly that. We took a warehouse in the back of our headquarters and converted it into one of the most advanced data centers in the world with full sustainability without doing any construction. So we didn't do any construction. So your, so, so your first, so your first <laughs> one is, isn't in fact 3D printed. You've done something which environmentally is far better. Far better. The first, the first one is conversion, right? Zero, zero carbon on yeah. that one. Mm -hmm. Right, so the, the 3D printing is there. You've got 3D partners ready to do it when, when, yes. when, it, when it makes sense. But if, okay. if there are buildings to convert, excellent idea, go, go for it. Exactly. Uh, so we, 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 don't, we didn't invent a, a printer. We buy the printer off the shelf. We just use it to our configuration in our architecture. But I personally believe that the conversion of buildings is probably more powerful than actually doing the 3D printing because the conversion of buildings is just ghost towns, which are all over the place in every city, every city, right? Because people did not come back to the office at the same levels they were before COVID, there's so much empty space. And uh, we, it's going to waste right now. People don't use it. And, and we are offering to the real estate partners that we have, which actually manage those sites, to actually convert them to a very profitable data center. And they're very, very receptive to it. Mm. Yes. I mean, I think it's easier to retrofit, uh, to fit a data center into a, an old building um, mm -hmm. if it's 
if, if the data center modules are self-contained, if you're using liquid cooling and things like that, isn't it? Exactly. So that's exactly what we're doing. We're, we're using liquid cooling. All we need to do is actually run our liquids in and out and the power in and out and have a large enough parking lot outside to actually put our hydrogen generation and batteries. That's all we need to do the conversion. And once we do the conversion, like I said, we we create creating an advanced data center that will extend the life of that building by decades. So it's not like that you have to do another refresh in a couple of years because you're doing something quick, quickly. No, you're getting actually the most advanced data center in the world. So from your perspective, when you actually convert your office space or warehouse or whatever you have into that uh, environment, you're securing your real estate uh, value for years to come and decades to come in some cases. Yeah. I mean, is it not is it an option sometimes to convert part of a building into a data center? Of course. Of course. It's, it's a, once you come see our site over here in Mountain View, our front of the office stayed our headquarters. So all our offices over there, the lab is over there and everything. The back of the building where it used to be a storage warehouse is now a data center. Oh, brilliant. So it did not affect the front of the building, just the back. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to see some sort of um, photos and specs and full details of what's going on here soon, yes. which would be great. We're going yes. slowly, to slowly release the information. Mm-hmm. We want to complete our integration and, and, and commissioning of the site before we release more information. So in the next few weeks, uh, we will actually start releasing more and more information. And uh, we're trying to do it in, in a relationship to other events that we're participating in and deliver a solution, which is a solution for the industry that in 2024, we are expecting to have a significant footprint with our current customer base. And that will, that will send a message out that data center needs to be green, can That's be right. green. And should be green. <laughs> Brilliant. And you know, the next question I was going to ask was um, your customers and the, the rollout and the next steps. I, I'm guessing there's probably not masses you can say at this stage. Yeah, I think I think just from a customer base perspective, I think we the, our customers coming from from multiple backgrounds. Some of them are coming because they care about sustainability. Some of them are coming because they actually really care about the time to delivery because of the pressure right now to build a lot of data centers. And it's difficult to do that. A lot of them basically come and say, you know, sustainability is great, but I want to do delivery in eight months. And that's something that's very unique in what we're doing. And some of them are coming from the AI side. And actually quite a significant portion of our customers coming from the AI side said, I need a dense data centers. How do I actually build this? And you and we already pre pre made those dense data centers for AI, and this is a combination of the three. Uh, we are surprised in the last four months with the number of customers who actually express interest, because we're targeting the high end enterprises for a long time, which actually have a hybrid environment. They have their own data centers and they're running cloud. But right now we see different customers which are very heavily invested both in AI as well as in the high performance, uh, uh, high sustainability side, but also a lot of uh, privacy rules which come into play in January in, in Europe requires a lot of much more distributed data centers than centralized that used to be done before. That is another type of customers which are actually coming and saying, oh, I need, to, I, I need right now, right here, data center in, in Austria or in Germany or something like that, and I don't have it. How quickly can I build it? 
and 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 most most of the answers they're getting if you get power it's two to three years we can come and say okay we can solve your problem in, in less than a year and that that is very attractive and there's a there's another set of customers that actually uh, reaching out to us uh, we are we're creating a pipeline of customers uh, we know that we won't be able to scale to very very large in year one so it's going to be a gradual growth to make sure that we actually uh, maintain the quality, maintain the the, the solution to be uh, uh, the level that we expect. So we'll take a few customers in 24 and then grow our business stronger and stronger in 25 and 26 to be able to be in a position that in 26 we're actually a, a significant player in this industry. Excellent. Well, I shall look forward to seeing the story develop. And thank you so much for talking to me about it in the, the detail that you have. We'll... Um, Brilliant. Thank you, Yuval. It's been really good talking to you. Thank you very, very much, Peter. Sustainability is no longer a nice to have. It's a priority. Vertive Power, cooling and IT management solutions for critical infrastructure are designed to reduce the use of energy, water, and space. From innovative liquid cooling to dynamic grid services, we work hand-in-hand with customers to enable them to meet their data center sustainability goals. Visit us at vertive.com and see what we can do for you. Thanks for listening to the Zero Downtime Podcast. Brought to you in partnership with Vertive, the world's leading critical digital infrastructure provider. Don't forget to like this podcast and subscribe to our channel. We'll see you again next time.